unique episode for us. Uh, it's a two for, for first one. time. Yes, we have we are bridging the gap a little bit. Uh, we get two for. So welcome, <laughs> the two of you. So glad to have both of you here. This is awesome. Hats off. Happy to be here. Sweet. All right. So let's start. Ben Hameen, can we start with you? Can you tell us who you are and a little bit about your story? How did you get involved in specialty coffee? Thank you, Colin, uh, Xavier, and Jared for uh, this space and opportunity. Uh, my name is Benjamin Paz. I am a coffee producer from Honduras. Um, I work for San Vicente, a coffee exporting company here. Um, yeah, I got involved in, in coffee when I was born. <laughs> because both Amazing. my mom and my dad worked in coffee and both of my uh, grandparents from both sides also working coffee so I can say I was born in it and uh, I got in, involved in the specialty coffee around 2005 uh, because of you know cup of excellence and all of the changes that that brought to the industry and we had coffees that we thought potentially could do it and they made it and uh, that put us in the map so a little summary of, of that story right there. I was going to see how, how humble you were going to be about your story. That was pretty humble. Pretty humble. <laughs> uh, Jared, tell us yeah, a little bit about uh, yourself. I guess 2005 also is when I got into specialty coffee. I got roped into a barista competition thinking I was really good at coffee in my little hometown. Got last place found out it wasn't really good at coffee and uh in the pursuit of actively you know pursuing better myself uh, along with colby Barr and, and ryan o'donovan who founded verve we we went on this journey to make better coffee and through that i helped them start verve and worked there for seven years till 2014 and you know did well in barista competition circuit and did better at creating culture and bringing people together. So eventually I moved on to opening Cat and Cloud with Chris Baca and Charles Jack. And weirdly, I'm, I'm a green buyer specifically in Honduras. Charles is our green buyer, but he was trying to have a, a baby human. And because of Zika, he didn't travel for the first couple of years. And so we had to do something. And I was the other person interested. And I, I happened to fall deeply in love with Honduras and said, well, sorry, Chuck, you can't have Honduras, but you can have everywhere else. And so I kept Honduras. Uh, probably big thanks to Ben Hameen, but that's, that's my quick, quick jump to where we're at now as well. Jared, what was, uh, what was the first time that you were on a coffee farm? What was that like? So that was because I won the Western Regional Breeze Competition in 2012. Cafe Imports took us to West Valley, well, to Costa Rica, and we visited West Valley, Central Valley, and uh, it, was, it was a game changer, but it was different than the kind of game changer experience I had when I went to Honduras. Uh, those, those, those trips are so curated, and they're amazing, and you get to cup, and you get to taste, and you get to see, which is a game changer, but Costa Rica specifically and where we went was so, it was kind of taken care of. So it felt a little more touristy, even though the impact was way, way, way more impactful. It was just 
that if I wasn't buying the coffee, somebody was, there was no, there was no like, Oh, please let me sell this coffee. So my family can be taken care of. It was, if this guy doesn't buy it, I got 20,000 people who want this coffee real bad. So there's, there was a big difference. Uh, you know, the game changer part was physically experiencing the processing, the smells, the taste and, and beginning to fall in love on a different level. Um, well, Benjamin, what is your first memory on a coffee farm? Oh, that's a that's a hard question, uh, Colleen. I I honestly don't remember any in a specific. I have a bunch of memories from you know, like my childhood. Uh, you know, like uh, playing at my uh, uncle's farm uh, when I was six, seven, mm-hmm. uh, at the mill, at the buying session that my dad had back in 1994, when I started to go there when I was like eight, uh, right? And, and you know, like playing on top of the big parchment bolts and you know, like buying plastic soccer balls and taking them uh, to play in the patio. And my dad would get so mad at me because I was playing instead of finding something to do. Uh, those are kind of like the memories nice. that I had when I was, when I was a kid there and all of, you know, like then, you know, like a couple years later, I was the, the person when I was like 10, this is like 1996, 1997. I was the person in charge of bringing lunch to my dad and my brother when I was already old enough to do things. Uh, and, uh, I will be the lunch man taking the bus by 11 AM to get to, the warehouse at noon to have lunch ready and then stay the rest of the afternoon uh, with my dad and my brother working there. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I, you know, like uh, I grew up and, you know, like I had coffee in my bottle when I was a kid. So. What was uh, what was the environment like in because I, I know that you know, San Vicente has been this like you know, catalyst for the a change, a shift of the industry in your particular neck of the woods in Honduras. Uh, what, what was like, what, when you think about like when you started getting involved, what are some, some big shifts that you've seen in the overall coffee culture in, in, uh, oh, wow. At San Vicente. I'm, <laughs> I, there I are had a several blank. things. Mm-hmm. There are several things that I that I think were key back then that are like I can mention a bunch, uh, but few few of the uh, of the main ones I think was you know like my father uh, backing up all the ideas that we had about a specialty right and participating in Cup of Excellence. Uh, that was one of the things. Also, Cup of Excellence itself as an organization that you know like opened the doors for special. Honduran coffees and we were part of it and the first time that we participated with one lot we won it and and it was a big deal right because no one expected the Santa Barbara coffee to win because everyone back then thought that the coffees from this region were bad and they were right because the coffees were not being treated well um and uh and you know like cup of excellence coming and giving us the opportunity um was also key and then the involvement of the producers you know, when they found out that there were opportunities through uh, high-end coffees you know like how uh, 
uh, down they were for, you know, like doing this and, and how committed they were to start, you know, like taking the risk, walking through a unknown path that no one really know exactly how things were going to end up being, right? So those were the things that I think uh, were, were key and, you know, there was a lot of risk, but I think it was worth every single uh, second that we invested, you know, like in, in, in doing that and, and yeah, you know, like then, Years later, we were able to connect with this awesome coffee community, including, you know, Mr. Truby and Mr. Xavier that, you know, like uh, gave us a, a big push uh, to continue working and, and grow and develop. So, yeah, there are many things that I would say working yeah, in, this, in this uh, specialty coffee road that we have bought. It's, a, it's really, it's an amazing story. Like that, that whole idea of it, it's a great example for, you know, so many other producers to be able to take away is that, yeah, the, the, the coffees in your area weren't seen as quality, but it was just because the, they were underinvested. And so your family was able to make the investment that completely shifted the perspective. Now everybody thinks of mostly your mill when they think of quality in your country. It's amazing. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, like in 2005, Right in January of 2005, we didn't exist pretty much in the specialty industry. And then five years later, we're occupying uh, the 60% of the uh, spaces in the Cup of Excellence competition. We were occupying the top eight in 2010 from the number place. Well, from number one to the number 10, we had nine spots in 2010. <laughs> Only, so cool. only Moises, Moises Herrera and Marisa, Marisa Valcaballero and Moises Herrera were, were there in place number eight. And then we were, you know, like occupying the other nine spaces. And, you know, like this is like five years after we started doing the program. So it's crazy. Hmm. So a lot of that and the growth of your business has centered it, it with the story, it's centering around you know, quality, coffee quality and improving quality as a means to, uh, you know, a better living in your area. This has sort of been one of the, the questions. And I think uh, maybe if we could jump back to you, Jared, to, to sort of start this next question section. I, this is sort of, I have two questions here. So coffee quality, is it subjective or objective? And then along with that, how should the coffee or the quality of a coffee be tied to a living wage? Oh, man. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, I think I go to cupping tables and part of me wants to say it's subjective. But at the same time, once you're to a certain level and you cup enough, I think you're pretty calibrated with, you know, I, I would imagine if the four of us cup a lot and 80 to 90% of the co coffees on the table will be, will be really close half a point. I, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And then you have those other portions where you might like something more, something that really stands out to you. And, and, and I think that's, that's normal. I think that's part of the fun of coffee. I would, I would kind of say it is a little more objective. Now that does not translate to the consumer though. That's the problem right? So the consumer does not care about 
us being calibrated and our objective understanding of quality, which I think we all get. So there's another layer to that that I think is only fair to speak to, which is you need to understand what your consumer wants and play that game a little bit, which is frustrating. However, there's always space for quality and wages for farmer partners. And, and in my opinion, the best way to pursue coffee is to ensure that you're working with somebody who can provide or help to work towards a living wage. And that is somewhat on myself and yourselves. And that's somewhat on working with someone like Benjamin who cares enough to not be the kind of exporter who's going to get rich uh, at the expense of the unknowing coffee farmer, potentially. So I think that answers your question. That's probably the, the most succinct way I can, I can put that together. I do believe quality and quantity of pay, I mean, that makes sense. You should pay higher for premium coffee at the end of the day. And the work that is put into it costs mm-hmm. more money. So therefore it should be rewarded with more money. You know, like, but there's a business model that I think that's kind of the X factor. And there's, there's opportunity to help with business models for farmers and finding the appropriate way to utilize business structure across the board, not, you know, and find some sort of ability to pursue better there. Benjamin, any thoughts on uh, the prices paid for coffee and how they should uh, relate to the quality of the coffee? Don't ask a producer those those questions. Um, <laughs> We'd love to hear your perspective, though. <laughs> <laughs> it will it will be very difficult, you know, like because uh, you know, like uh, it's 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 in my case that I you know like understand all of the parts of the business. I would say mm-hmm. I've been in retail in your side. I've been you know like. Uh, also working as an exporter for a bunch of years and also I'm a producer, right? Uh, it's, very, it's very difficult uh, to really price uh, things. Um, and I would say, won't, you know, like when, whenever you have the quality, yes, it's super easy. When you don't have it, it's very difficult because you spend the same amount of investment in an 82 or an 88 in our case, right? So it's very risky on our side, but the reality is that, you know, like, People are buying quality and that's where we want to, to get them, where we have to get. And it's difficult, you know, like to say, oh, you know, like this 81 point coffee cost is the same. So I should price it at the similar level. It would be impossible because it's not going to be able to be sold by, by the market. So, and, and regarding, you know, like uh, overall co- coffee prices, I would say uh, market, it, it's and will all be, be unfair, I think. Um, because of all its volatility, that is very complicated. A lot of producers in my area have abandoned uh, coffee because of the two-year uh, period of low prices that we had in the past for mm-hmm. low-grown coffees. That you know, like I know the quality is not there, but there are also coffee producers that deserve an opportunity. And sadly, they lost the opportunity because they were getting you know like a dollar a pound for two years in a row, and it was very tough. So if you value the coffee based on the work that they were doing will be a lot more expensive than that. So it's kind of tough to, to really, you know, like uh, determine uh, if, you know, like this is uh, fair or, or not, I would say not, it's not fair. So, 
but it's really hard to add value to to these coffees right because i you know like i would ask you you know like hey would you be interested in buying a 78 point coffee and sell it for five dollars a cup it would be very <laughs> difficult so mm-hmm. it's it's you know like it's hard so uh i think you know like we're hoping that uh in the long run what we're going to be able we're going to be able to add more value and and work hard sadly there are farmers that don't have you know like the capacity to do it for example how can i go and ask a producer that has you know like a catimor grown at 400 meters you know to do better in quality right it's impossible so Mm -hmm. there are other variables that we have to do like certifications you know things in order to add value but it's difficult if the market is low so yeah and especially coffee is a different thing right uh you know like it's very specific uh, how people buy and it's all determined based on the quality, but also the, the trust and the relationship. And I would say especially the coffee prices will always be fair. And I've always, you know, like say that you know, green buyers that have been buying coffee from us have been very responsible and and have uh, responded uh, positively to, to us. And, and sometimes, you know, like even we get spoiled and we get paid more than we, than what we are producing sometimes. <laughs> uh, but this is because of the support and, and the trust and the relationship that can be built. So, so yeah, I think uh, there are many different variables to determine this, but I think coffee, especially the low-grown coffee, should be more expensive. And, which, and that's, I mean, it's good to hear your perspective on uh, the, on those, those premium lots that you have seen. Uh, that producers are are getting paid well for those i um i think that's something that that idea about the lower grown coffees about the uh you know that lower quality stuff has been rolling around in my head for a while now with uh, these other conversations we've been having is ultimately that that's such a huge portion of uh i mean it's 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 the majority of what's produced and it's also severely underpriced so how do we as a roaster work to still you know for us it's like you know we're, we're focused on these coffees that part of the the pitch is it's good coffee it's of quality but but then how much does how much does, it, does the consumer care about that versus you know is there is there more that we can offer as far as the story is there is there like more of a picture that we can paint for somebody that allows for more value to be also directed to those, those lower quality coffees. Jared, are y'all doing anything fun with uh, communicating to customers about, you know, how to pay more for the, the more medium to lower quality coffees? Well, <clears throat> we, I swear I'm actually going to talk about that on, on our cat and cloud podcast a little bit with Chris. I think there's a lot of opportunity at that point to me, I think America is absolutely happy, a lot of them, with the diner coffee, which I would, I would say we could find a lot of low cup scoring coffees that would fit that, that category and fit it happily. And so to me, I think we as an industry have this interesting opportunity to start charging for the experience. And that requires us to be more innovative, more amazing, more dialed in businesses or cafes and that I think <clears throat> is something to explore I, I think we've seen it start we've seen 
we saw Intelligentsia and Venice Beach do this whole concept where the line was out the door, but they didn't charge. Well, they, they charged more at the time, but we, they, the business couldn't sustain, and I think it could have, but it didn't sustain all the superstars who were willing to put in the effort to give a flawless experience day in and day out. It didn't sustain them. They all went and made another company. So I truly believe if there was a way to give Michelin star experiences, people would be willing to pay more for cheaper cost, cheaper, uh, cheaper meaning, uh, not cheaper is the wrong word, lower cup quality coffee. Uh, it actually physically is cheaper now, but that wouldn't be the point. Uh, so that's why I said that. I think that's our responsibility and I think it's to be had. It also is the responsibility of us to dial in our cafes and showcase something that is absolutely amazing in the way it looks, the way it feels, the way it sounds. And then the taste is about coming and having a nice cup of coffee somewhere, but then you are supporting it with a big package. And that's something we haven't done as an industry a great job of doing. We kind of, I feel like the world is given, especially coffee has taken the bailout method of like, we buy the best, we serve the best. Why aren't you here? I'm doing the best in the world. Why aren't you here? Why aren't I tight? Mm -hmm. And instead of kind of taking a more humble service approach and flipping the script and be like, I'm here to serve you the most amazing experience. And I hope you understand how amazing it could be. And then you can tell the stories and then you, you earn trust and you, they say, wow, that was psychotic. They were at my every beckoning need while I was there before I even knew it. And it was perfectly clean and the bathrooms never stunk. And <laughs> wow, I want to go, I want to go there every day. I want to go there because of whatever it is that's happening. And then all of a sudden you have a conversation and then a year down the line, everybody's drinking your coffee at a higher price. And that coffee can be these coffees Ben Hameen are talking about, and we can begin paying more for them. Uh, and Charles has uh, my business partner who's great at finance. He has some other ideas about that low level, mid level range and kind of coming up with an idea similar to fair trade for those who are never going to go up, but they're not going to go down and allowing a stability but that's his story to tell and his project to work on. So I'll let him do that another time. I think we have the responsibility and you have to do it with trust and you have to do it by delivering. You can't do it half-assed. And I think it takes an incredible amount of work. It takes a team. And it takes a team of people who believe and want to stick together and create something. And we just don't have a lot of that, especially coffee. They all spread yeah. out and they all go to different places and they all start their own companies because they don't, want to rally together there's not enough money or whatever whatever ever but i think there is enough money if people are willing to spend more time investing in the process yeah i love that as even you know as a as a green buyer you're still having the perspective of we do have the responsibility of you know overseeing like there's that we're, we are responsible for everything that happens all the way to serving the customer a cup of coffee i feel like yeah you could have that perspective as a green buyer of like well i did I bought the specialty coffees and I paid a fair price and I don't know, people aren't buying it, you know, they're not, but it's, we, we have to, we have to oversee if, if, if we need to, to like funnel more money down the supply chain, we need to figure out how to get more money from the customers. Let's, let's figure I mean, out a way. And I'm a, I'm a Disney guy, right? I go to Disneyland and I watch a Dole Whip. What is Dole Whip? It is frozen pineapple juice with a little bit of cream and that's it it costs them probably 30 cents and they sell it for seven dollars a little softer cup <laughs> hundreds of thousands of them yeah because 
the value to the guest is worth it because of everything else going on around it. Mm -hmm. So you tell me we can't do that. I don't believe it. I just don't, I don't believe anybody has taken the time to put the intention into our services and our cafe models. And I think we are one of the companies that are really going to try to do that. And it's super hard, but I also think mm -hmm. it's way more validating for the future. I, th I think I want to move into, I got a question and a question for you, Jared. Uh, what is your approach at Cat and Cloud to buying green coffee? Ooh, what is our approach? Well, I mean, sort of simple and as and then getting more complicated as we're able to grow, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. at first it was it was as simple as who can we get coffee from, right? <laughs> and and what totally. what what is delicious to us and what fits our menu? I mean, the coolest intro we did get to have was. Uh, through Ben Hameen at the beginning, I reached out and I was like, Hey, we can buy like maybe, maybe five bags tops, uh, more like one to two. And, and he looped us in with, you know, Pedro Moreno and uh, Olvin Fernandez. And then we got over there and connected with some other people. And now we have, you know, some great relationships. So that we always wanted to work our way to proper direct relationship coffee, not, not the kind where you sell it and say you're super cool and you shake hands with the farmer like I could have in Costa Rica on my first trip in 2012, where I stood next to them as a barista champion and then we bought their coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, no, we you're making me feel bad. I'm guilty of this. I've done it before. Well, I think everybody has, and yeah. I probably would have too, but I, they the, when I went, Cafe Imports didn't have a. I actually won with Co Costa Rican coffee, and we couldn't even visit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, and and so I was like, well, I guess I got to figure out. That's not about Cafe Imports either. I was like, that's me. We don't have a relationship with this person. I'm literally here. I'm here because I use Azrael Chavez's coffee, and I can't go three miles down the road and say hi. That's dumb. I don't want to <laughs> be that. So, you know, we want to have proper relationships, thick and thin. And that's the kind of coffee we're working towards. And it takes people like Ben Hameen. Uh, we've recently connected with Azahar, and I'm really excited for a number of reasons, one of which is Ryan Knapp is working for them, and I've been one of my mm -hmm. oldest coffee friends. Uh, and, and they, along with Ben Hameen, are doing coffee buying in the way that we want to do it, which is find people, grow with them, help them grow, and... And then we run the Best Friends Club, which is every bag we sell in the cafe, a dollar goes back, skips everybody, and goes straight to the, to the producers in some capacity. And so we split that up, and we got to go deliver that in Honduras this year for the first time, uh, not even a full year's worth. And it was, it was a really touching time. Everybody loves altruism, but doing it for the right reasons, you know, where it doesn't, it's not just about how it makes me feel and how we can tell everybody the story is key to us. So that is ultimately how we're going to buy coffee. Obviously, we want to buy some of the most amazing coffee in the world, but those are going to be smaller lots at the end of the day. And right. in the long run, we're going to have to buy really good coffee that's stable and relatively consistent. And that's what will keep, in my opinion, the people we work with interested in selling coffee. And, and then again, it's the responsibility of myself to show up for them I mean, even this year, one of the farmers, our first relationships, Wilson Morales, he's amazing. He's outgrown us. He has more coffee than we can buy. And I didn't, 
I didn't want to have that conversation where I was like, we can't buy all your coffee. This is the first year we can't personally. So instead of doing that, I went and connected with three or four other businesses who buy coffee. I was like, you know, I roasted some of it here and I sent them samples prior to ship. And I was like, Hey, I have this coffee. I want to get you established in Honduras through Benjamin and the long haul. This is the guy, Wilson Morales. Would you be interested? And I was, hoping to sell 15 bags and it's going to be closer to like 30 to them and that covered all of the green and i got to tell wilson hey we can't buy all your coffee but don't worry i found people who are going to buy it you and ben i mean don't have to go do work nice. so yeah. that's our that's like the the overarching view of where we're going you just have to be able to work with companies who are willing to to help you do that yeah it's all about that's what, and, and that's the, it's cool to hear that y'all are going to be working with Azahar too, because that's, that's what I've learned from even my time here with metric is yeah, it's, it's so crucial to have these, uh, these people like Ben Hameen, like Azahar, our friend Jose in Peru that are, uh, that we trust that we know and that are intimately involved because yeah, that as a, as a green coffee buyer, it's like, you aren't, you can't be responsible ultimately for following through on every little aspect of these relationships. I mean, there's, you gotta lean on other people. It's too big of a job. It's a huge undertaking to, uh, to help improve the quality of some of these coffees. Um, Absolutely. Gonna Love to hear more about this Jose person. Cause we, uh, that sounds like maybe another place we could buy a response. You know, as a matter of fact, he's uh, well, not here, here, but he is in Chicago um we should definitely put you guys in touch he's yeah. uh and I'll, I'll give you well we might we, we could edit this part out because <laughs> it's but I, i'd love to tell you about him he uh i met him at intelligence a couple of years ago and he is uh uh his wife's family lives here in chicago uh, so he was just here visiting uh for a couple of months and uh, yeah he like asked me where I'm from. He's like, oh, I have a roastery, et cetera, down the street. So he came down, walked with me. He saw our probat. And I thought that, that'd be the end of that. And then um, a day later, he like literally, he shows up in our front door. I didn't know he was coming. And uh, yeah, he just like started working with me. And then he came back the next day. The next day for like three months, he was here working, roasting, cupping, like quality control, et cetera. So we became friends through that relationship. And then he ended up moving back to Peru and launched uh, Origin Coffee Lab. So, and that that's who we work with in Peru and we are so happy. And it's very, it's it's uh, it's great because knowing Jose and knowing that he knows Benjamin, he really looks up to the work that Benjamin does. And um, so just by, by vir virtue of that and knowing that there's reverence and there's respect among all of us, it, it really, It, we're at the right place, you know, and so we 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 don't look to, uh, for example, like if we're buying in Honduras, we want to grow with Benjamin and Beneficio San Vicente and with the producers we work with. Same goes for Azahar. Same goes for anywhere we work with. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're not we're not coffee hunting. We're just looking to establish relationships by which you know we know that there's transparency and equity, and also at the same time, it's just like. Is it real? Does it feel real? Like the, the, the story you were telling me like about like uh, Costa Rica, it felt like that when I went to Honduras and I met Benjamin, I was with another group and him and Charlie Haberger like were leaving 
And I said, yo, can I ride with you guys? And they're like, sure, come on in. You know, like we, I got into Benjamin's truck without even knowing him. And he took me like, you know, three, yeah. four hours away. <laughs> 11 p.m., we get to Peña Blanca. We start cupping at 11 p.m. And that's like, I'm old. So, you know, like I don't cup past like 9, 9 a.m. So like for somebody to tell me, <laughs> like, hey, 11 p.m., you know, let's start cupping. Yeah, they're like. Dude, I was, I said, yes, let's do that. And I literally tasted some incredibly delicious coffees. Among them was the first producer we bought coffee from. Um, and it was literally three, ba four bags of coffee. And the cool thing about that, and I actually like to go on record to say this, and Benjamin's right here, is that I, I, I didn't feel like Benjamin treated me any different than a client that he that would buy three containers, you know? And I have always, I think I've said that to him. And that really meant a lot because we we were so small then, and we're still fairly small, but like now we're buying a little bit more. And I think the level of care and attention and um, the like the honoring of the relationship has been the same throughout. So I love the consistency, and that those are the relationships we look for. And it seems like it's very similar with you guys at Captain Cloud, which is mm -hmm. really good to hear. So that's the dream. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right jose dude we'll, we'll connect later we'll on make that. it up yeah yeah <laughs> we will make the connect um we could actually probably text him and he'll get in a car here he'll he show up right here yeah, he's be... like up up in the rafters he's like hey i'm yeah. here <laughs> <laughs> batman drop in i know yeah <laughs> and jared I, so i'm gonna ask another question here and i want to hear both your perspectives but we'll start with ben hameen because this is uh Curious to hear this one, Ben. I mean, what advice would you give to uh, a young coffee professional that is looking to one day be sourcing green coffee? Well, um, I'll just repeat the advice that I got once from my great friend, Ryan Brown. Ryan told me if I ever wanted to be a green buyer, uh, he said to me, just buy from the people you like. Uh, it's simple as that. And I would say I followed the same um, advice in terms of, you know, like who I sell coffee to. And it's, you know, like not specifically to the people uh, that I like, but I would say to the people that are uh, nice people, the people that I know that they care. And Xavier, you know, like mentioned that story when he came here and he wasn't even interested in buying at the time. I had uh, in my head, you know, like that coffee for so long to present it to him because uh, Charlie spoke about him and Darko so so well for so many years. And he was like, you need to meet my, my friend Xavier and Darko and you need to hang out with these guys and they're they are really cool people and i was like yeah you know i want to meet these guys i want to you know like be friends with them because they are the friends of my friends and and you know like i wasn't really thinking that he was going to be buying you know like any coffee or he could you know like potentially be a big company and buy a lot of coffee i just wanted to connect with him and, and be his friend and, and i liked him and and it's the same way that i you know like been connecting with uh, everyone so um you know like that's you know, like the relationship, we were friends first before, you know, like doing business. Same thing with Truby, you know, like I met Truby, when was that, Jared, like 2012, 2013, something like that. 
and uh, and I was like, you know, like yeah, you know, like that's that's a cool dude. And then I walked to into one of the verb locations, and he was working the bar there, and he pulled me a uh, a shot and put some milk on it and made this amazing cappuccino. And I'm like, yeah, this is the kind of the kind of people that you know, like I want to be connected with. And you know, like a few years later, he was the owner of a company and he was buying coffee from me. So you know, like be friends first, and then you know, like do business and you know, like buy from the people that you like and the people that you think are doing the right thing. That that would be that would be my uh, my advice. Simple, simple as that. That's awesome. Lead with friendship. It's great. What about you, Jared? What do you think? I don't know if I could. I don't know if I have anything different to say. I think. The only thing I would say is if you're going to become a green buyer, like be humble about it. You're not cool at all for being a green buyer. It's not like a sick job that you get to flaunt in front of everybody and talk about how you green buy. Like, yeah, I get it. It's cool to travel, but I think absolutely like the friendships, the relationships, all of that is what's going to keep you going. Green buying, honestly, the same thing. Let's quote Ryan Brown again. Green buying is lonely. Green buying, if you are the green buyer and you are traveling like he was at the time, I remember talking to him a lot and he was like, it's lonely, man. I'm alone. I'm gone three months at a time. Hotels, I get tired of being alone. It's still a job. So maybe that's the other part is recognize you, if you're signing up to be a good, no, good. Yeah, good. We'll go good. We, you should want to be a great green buyer. Besides the relationships, you have to recognize that what you're doing is going to be proper work. It's not a glamorous lifestyle. And be ready for it and be ready to actually commit to what you're doing. Don't just jump in thinking you're going to be this cool travel person who just takes coffee and QCs all the time. Right. No. Spreadsheets, forecasting, plan ahead. Be good at it. Don't ruin your company. Don't run out of coffee, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. And I know it, it got caught, I'm sure, like every, well, I know like everybody else, you haven't as a company been able to do much world travel in the last year. Uh, but I, from what I understood beforehand, you, you sort of like, uh, I'll say democratize the, the process a bit. You you have, you send members of your staff off to, uh, to make some of the green buying decisions, correct? Or maybe we have sent 30. Seven people to coffee origin regions aside from myself, Charles, and Chris. I mean, yes, but also recognize this is a safe bet. They're if they're if they're at all aligned with what our our coffee is supposed to taste like. Yeah, they're gonna pick two or three of their favorites to pre-ship. We still can say no, but most yeah. likely they'll pick one that we can bring in. Right. So there is safety. There's protection there. The most important part was I want somebody to talk with their own mouth about what's happening and how it's not uh, essentially what I was just going after, how it's not this super glamorous, super cool lifestyle. Even when you go and get yourself a catered curated trip, that's amazing. When you step on a farm, you know that some of these people just want to send their kids to college. Some of these people, you know, like that's, that's where the meat and potatoes is. And I want them to come back and say, Hey, when we buy this coffee and we sell this coffee, this is what it means. Mm-hmm. And that is more powerful than them regurgitating me telling somebody a bunch of cool stuff on a podcast like this. And they could all day, but then everybody will go, yeah, that's what your business owner says. We've heard that before. Yeah, Their words yeah. are more important when they're their words. And so that's really the key to that. 
less about democracy, more about authenticity. Uh, not, not saying you said it wrong, but that's what we've done. And now we've realized that we need to take that even more seriously. So you'll, you're only going to origin now if you've made yourself into some form of leadership position here in the company. Mm-hmm. Just because so many people love the trip and it gave them a lot of life experience and they, just, they end up quitting one day and it's just something that we paid for that yeah that didn't really benefit as much as we hoped so that was right. that's been an evolved idea that mm-hmm. came out of a good it started with a good place that needed to change and so it's still in the in the mix i brought levi and herman we just went to honduras about a month ago and uh it was life-changing for them and both of them had been the coffee origin regions before for uh best of wheela and way way Tenango, so very cool well i want to be uh respectful of all your time so we're I, and we're we're getting to about an hour on this so um yeah thank you so much for being uh available and uh for sharing your perspectives and it's great to connect with you jared super happy to do it it was a lot of fun i actually somebody who got sick at the roastery today so everybody's uh, vaccinated so i know it's not that it's good news but it's i do have news. to go roast coffee right now and ben amin's got a cup of cup of coffee that's not let them taste and give me some feedback anyway oh yeah yeah once you get out of here we're actually we have some things we got to discuss with ben amin too yeah oh <laughs> big moments baby <laughs> it's going down that's right well i hope uh ben amin be in the hot seat i miss you uh, as per usual and great to officially meet you both Yes. Yeah, likewise, man. Likewise. Thank you. All right. Wow. See you in, Take uh, care. Jared. in September. Yeah. Yeah. Not soon enough. <laughs> Later. <laughs> okay. All right. See ya. Thank you. Bye.